There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Make sure that you have a really clear vision of what you're trying to do uh, and a metric that you can tie to it, which which is not revenue related, uh, a metric which defines the success of your of the problem that you're trying to solve. For. Number two is your customers have empathy for them. It is it's so important to put yourself in their shoes and understand their problems and understand the things that you're you're trying to um, uh, to build. Uh, don't build what they want, build what they need, right? And then number three is uh, the blockers within your business, especially internal ones, will be the death of your business if you don't remove them. So your biases should always be towards remove every single blocker that comes into your path uh, as quickly as you can. Uh, if you're able to do those three, I think you'll be okay. And hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning from wherever you're watching from all over the world. My name is RJ Ledesma and welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In the podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business, what are their success secrets in business, and can we hack those success secrets how they've also innovated their businesses during this pandemic, but more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal and in the next normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? I would love to do so. Please let me know. Drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV. Bill Pinas TV, and the Bounce Back Network. If you've been enjoying our previous podcast so far and you are learning a lot from it, please do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast and invite more friends to listen to the RG Ledesma podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. Clark, if you can put our YouTube link for the RG Ledesma podcast here on FB Live, I would really appreciate it. And tonight, we've got another guest all the way from Singapore. Singapore la. And he is... Part of Brancast, we've got a good friend, Mr. Mike Dickinson. Now, founded in 2016, the goal of Brancast was to democratize access to financial and identity data. Their clients include traditional financial institutions, banks, and fintech startups. They are a fintech startup company that bridges the access to financial services for everyone in Southeast Asia. That's a pretty big market, and, and it's a lot of Big motherhood statements. I really look forward to our guest here tonight, Mr. Mike Dickinson, to break this down for us so we can better understand exactly the services being offered by Branca. So please welcome all the way from Singapore, Mr. Mike Dickinson. Mike, welcome to the program. Hi, RJ. Happy to be here. Um, very excited for today's podcast. Very excited as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Mike, before everything else, I'm just very, very curious. Uh, over here uh, in Manila, we've had our spike of the Omicron of the Omicron variant, and, and cases now are dropping to, at least here in Metro Manila, less than 1,000 cases per day. But we're still very cautious. We still, we still wear masks. We're still at our level two over here, which means that it's not, it's, it's not fully mobile to get around here in the city. How's it like in Singapore? Can you is it is it easy now to travel over there? Can foreign foreign visitors come in and out easier right now? In yeah, Singapore? so uh, cases right now are um, actually growing. Um, they're fluctuating quite a lot, actually. Um, nobody really knows the real number, and I think Singapore now is starting to treat it like uh, more and more like an endemic. We are still quite cautious. We are still wearing masks. We're still doing uh, all those sorts of things. There are certain restrictions still in place but uh, it, you get the feeling that we're opening up. Um, yes, we do have uh, flights from different parts of Southeast Asia, um, different parts of the world still happening. And I think, yeah, some of the, the blockers around that are getting removed more and more. 
Well, I hope to see you here in Manila very soon. Our uh, We're easing travel restrictions for foreign travelers. So hopefully, as you build the Brancas business here in the Philippines, uh, we get to see you here very soon. And having said that, I'm very curious, Brancas, what exactly does Brancas mean? Uh, great question. Um, so Brancas uh, means bank safe in Indonesian, in Bahasa Indonesia. And it's a, um, it, the, the, uh, where we originally started from was from Jakarta, Indonesia. Uh, hence the name. So I, see, I think I uh, the CTO came up with the name originally. Uh, very interesting. And I understand I was going through your background in LinkedIn. You actually uh, grew up partly in Jakarta. Is that Correct. Right? Yes. So I grew up there. I lived there for 17 years. You know, I did my school and whatnot over there. I'm part Indonesian. So um, I'm actually from a place called Manado, which is very close to the Philippines. So I, I grew up there and then moved to Australia, moved around, ended up in Singapore. Oh, fantastic. So let's greet any of your Indonesian fans listening to you right now. Maybe your folks as well in Indonesia and in Bahasa. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> so feel free, to go, feel free to, to speak to them in Bahasa. Let's, let's all greet them. Yeah. Selamat malam semuanya. Saya aslinya dari Indonesia. Uh, saya sudah tinggal di Singapura untuk enam tahun ya. Nanti saya mungkin pindah ke Indonesia. Terima kasih. Terima kasih. Thank you so much. And, and with that, Mike, uh, let's get into it now. You know, as I, I have to admit, when, when you read Brancas, it, it, it's uh, and, and what you guys are doing here in Southeast Asia, it's pretty difficult for, I guess, the layman to appreciate exactly uh, what Brancas does as a financial service. So uh, recently, I heard that uh, you guys just closed a is that two twenty million dollar deal uh, for Brancas for your Series B, which is a big deal. I'm going to discuss that in just a bit. But I think the bigger thing here right now is, you know, let's try to explain right now what what Brancas actually does and. What is it like when you, when you have to do an elevator pitch and you have to explain to people exactly what Brancas is to an investor? Can you can you please uh, give us an example of how, how you'd explain Brancas to, uh, to an investor in, in the company? Yeah, absolutely. So we are a uh, fintech company. We play in what we call open banking and open finance. Really what our, our, our entire goal here is to open up and democratize financial services, right? And what we're trying to do is enable for uh, individuals to be able to uh, perform, for example, bank transfers in, you know, not directly within their own banking applications or having to go to the branch. They can do it within other sort of third-party applications, right? And um, uh, so, for example, you wanted to top up to an e-wallet, uh, like Gcash, for example, you can do it directly in the wallet. You don't have to go anywhere else to do it. You stay inside that e-wallet and make that experience uh, completely seamless, right? Really, what we do this on is, is based on the very premise of open banking, which is the, the, the data, what happens with finance, it all belongs to you. Right. Uh, it belongs to you as an individual. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It doesn't belong to any corporation, um, any bank, uh, any, even us as a third party. Um, it doesn't it only belongs to you. And you decide what you get to do with your funds, with your data and the financial products that you have access to. Right. And that's the very premise. So, you know, when you're going through and doing these sorts of things, explicit consent is super important. It's really important mm -hmm. to be able to move funds around, to share bank data, bank statement data, for example. And it's very important for you to be able to set up, for example, a bank account uh, all digitally, right? And ultimately, you know, I guess what we're trying to do is ensure that we allow for an open ecosystem so that, you know, there really it creates equality for everyone in the market. I guess... Uh, what people might have a difficulty or a challenge understanding, especially if you're not from the finance or tech sector, is the idea of the word open banking. What exactly do you mean when you say, I hope you don't mind, but you know, we have to just get, you know, get these terms, I think, very, very clear. What do you mean by open banking and, and open finance? Right. Great, great question. So open banking itself is um, really about, so banks traditionally are fairly close. They provide mobile applications, for example, they provide uh, branches so you can do perform financial services. Really what this means is that you are able to perform in relation to a financial institution actions for that on other applications, right? Um, so that you can create more seamless experiences you know, for example, on an, like, as the example I gave before, an e-wallet, or for example, uh, if you're looking to receive a loan from an organization, you can share your bank data directly inside the loan application process, right? And what that allows for is really the uh, more financial access uh, to, to everyone, 
right? Um, again, coming back to my original point, which is, you know, of course, it's the consent of the user, which is super important here. They have to give this. However, after the fact, uh, you're able to go off and do many things with your finances in any application. Um, and really what that means is that no longer is it the traditional way of having to go to the branch or having to go onto a mobile application owned by a bank. You can do it anywhere. And um, really, that's what we think is going to be. I mean, it's democratizing that sort of financial inclusion, right? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, I like the idea when you democratize it because, you know, obviously the other one is it's, it's, it's uh, uh, well, I think not, not, not that it's, it's, it's the exact opposite, but, you know, in, in a more dictatorship or, you know, authoritarian model versus uh, the, uh, a, a, a democratized model for banking. If you don't mind, so people get to see a better picture of it, let's present to them what it is if there is no, I say sort of like Brancas and what it is when Brancas is there. What is it when it's the closed model and how difficult it is and when you democratize it and, and what happens all of a sudden when it's when the system is democratized uh, with, with what Brancas is doing. If you don't mind go, going through that one because you know that, that helps us better understand uh, what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a really great use case around this is how you go off and create a bank account, right? In the most traditional sense, you walk into a branch, you have to go travel there, it may take you 10 minutes, may take you an hour, depending on where you're located, um, three hours in some parts of Indonesia and the Philippines. Um, and, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and, and so like it, it takes, you know, you have to go there, you have to provide documentation. It's a very manual process. You have to sign with a wet signature. And, you know, there's various sort of uh, KYC processes that you have to do at the branch. And before you know it, your entire day is gone. And then you're waiting for the bank account to get created, which can take anywhere between you know one week oh, yeah. three weeks four weeks right and it, 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 it's it's a very cumbersome process um with Brancas, with open banking you're able to go into an application of your choice and if our offering is there you're able to create a bank account directly inside that application without having to go to a branch without having to go and travel for three hours to try and get to one and you're able to then provide your documentation. You can do KYC directly. Um, you're gonna know your customer and take a selfie and everything like that directly in the app. And the account is created. And I think that's one of the most, you know, I think obvious use cases, um, uh, which helps not only, you know, people become banked and be able to get access to more financial services quicker, um, but it also actually helps the banks, right? It allows them to um, sort of diversify the channels which they, um, they can provide their sort of banking products to. No, no. Now I think it's much clearer to many people uh, exactly why, how it, it democratizes and why open banking is a, clearly a boon, especially for, a, for, well, I'm sure the situation might be similar to Indonesia, where there's a large percentage of the population that remains unbanked. And just for the reasons you said alone, I mean, number one, it's just the logistics to get to the bank. If you live in the rural area, to get to the to get from the from the rural area to the bank is it takes quite some time. Then plus the documentation which you aren't sure that you need to bring along. I mean these are things that which people don't uh, take into consideration. Um, having said all that, one Mike, I understand how the concept works, especially uh, in, in in our tech startup world. But you know, I you know offline you were talking about you know I have sometimes to explain these concepts to my my dad, my mom. You know, and, and they're in their seventies. These these things are just quite alien to them. How would I 
how would I explain uh, broadcast now to to people who you know who might not understand this? How do we laymanize it? I guess for them. Right. So I think the best way to uh, laymanize something like this is that you know if you can you know you go into an application of your choice and you want to just set up a credit card quickly, you want to set up a bank account, you want to apply for a loan, you want to you know uh, do a funds transfer, like move money from bank A to bank B, uh, and all within any application, um, you can do that today. And Brancas sort of sits behind and powers the, the infrastructure for that. So a kind of a, a, a metaphor for it is if we think of the banking institutions, the e-wallets, the finance companies, they're all the houses. Where are the roads which connect them, right? And so that you can actually get oh. from point A to point B in a much more simple manner. So we're, we care a lot about the, the very roads which cars are driving on and the, the, the houses and the buildings and the, um, and the infrastructure that it's con- uh, connected to. Sort of like you're the back office. People don't see Brancas in action. They don't see Brancas in action. We drive all the connections um, so that it, you know, ultimately you get the experiences which make your life easier. Really, and, and really great story about Brancas. It was starting off the year or entering the year with a 20 million Series B funding uh, coming from uh, your friends Insignia Ventures Partners. That's a really great story. And, and it has something directly to do with you coming and growing the business here in the Philippines, if I understand correctly. Tell me a bit more about um, why why the Series B is so significant to Brancas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. I guess it's sort of validation first and foremost of what we're trying to do right i mean we wouldn't receive funding for something like that if uh, if it wasn't working um so what we're really looking to do with this additional funding is really start to grow um the connections that we have with different banks we're looking to like obviously have more organizations so have more fintech companies more wallets use the products that we have um, and and use the connections that we have so that, that for example they can avail the um, account opening in the um, in their applications of choice um, but we're also looking at expansion so today we uh, are mainly in Indonesia the Philippines in Thailand and in Singapore and we've got various small projects in other countries uh, but we really want to use the the, the funding we've recently received to Again, bring you know sort of more democratization in other markets, and uh, and expansion is something that uh, you know we're we're going to be pushing for. On top of that, we're also looking at building new products. Um, of course, that's something we're we're a product heavy company, very heavy on the um, sort of engineering and product side of things. About eighty five percent of the company is is sitting at that um, uh, within those two teams, and a lot of what we're trying to do is uh, you know continue innovating and building new stuff which people can use. Uh, and hopefully, you know, again, make their lives better. And that's exactly what you are. You are the chief uh, product officer of the company. And that sounds interesting. What exactly does a chief product officer uh, do for the comp- do for uh, Brancas and for the company? Uh, I, uh, everything. <laughs> it feels like these <laughs> days. Um, uh, more serious note. So, you know, we, we build tech product, right? And so what we do in, in the product organization, along with our engineering team, is, you know, identify problems which exist in the market. And we try and understand sort of, you know, we've got end users which are complaining about not being able to get access to, say, for example, bank accounts. Uh, we've got fintech companies saying, hey, I can't connect to the banks. It's very difficult. How do I do that? Right. And so we construct products around infrastructure to sort of solve these problems. Right. So it sounds easy, but, you know, as they say in in product management, ideas are cheap. And uh, there's a lot of cash that goes into the actual validation, the research, the design, the um, the implementation and eventually the output. And then and then even then you're still going, please work. (laughs) So um, and and that's a very that's a very um, uh, sort of a process. And then, of course, we have to remember, we have to continue to sort of reiterate and make the product better and uh, and bring just a better experience for people, generally speaking. So um, it's it's always an ongoing process in products. So yeah, that's what we do. And I'm sure you're learning a lot about how to iterate and develop the product coming into the Philippines. I'm, I'm sure uh, I, I've had the same experience working uh, or speaking with other startups which have expanded, let's say, from Indonesia to the Philippines, that they really have to sort of like, although generally the, the demographics and the, life, the lifestyle or the, the economy is similar, they've had to customize the products coming into the country to fit what's happening there, not, not, not force fit what they currently have, but rather say, here's the product, we've got to come in, but we've got to sort of make it 
just custom built for that country. I guess that's what's happening to you guys as well. I mean, something worked in Indonesia, but bring it to the Philippines, it had to be, I guess, tweaked to, to match the current um, demographics, the lifestyle of the Filipino consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, so so local localization is a real is a real thing. Um, yes, we can try and say that you know financial infrastructure between the two countries are are quite similar. But actually, you know, and and this is sort of you know our discovery as a company is that they they are actually very 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 different, right? And and something that we sort of have to make sure that we're we have to localize the products in relation to the different countries. So when we release something in Indonesia, even though functionally it solves the same problem, but the way that it's being built is almost entirely different to what is being released in the Philippines. Um, and, that's, and that's something that we absolutely have to sort of take into consideration. You know, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. So in Indonesia- Please, please. please. Yeah. yeah. So in Indonesia, we've got um, recently about, well, not recently anymore, pandemic makes me feel like it's recent. Two years ago, <laughs> we had the we had the QR code, the QRIS in Indonesia, so that you can pay between any sort of account, bank account, wallet, um, and whatnot in, in the sort of Indonesia context. And it's it's a rail which is starting to be used more and more and it makes it easier it makes it easier for people to sort of transfer funds between this now during the time that we were sort of building on top of this rail in indonesia in the philippines uh, i think now it's a bit different because qrph is becoming made available over there so you can transfer funds between accounts using a qr code um but what we sure. found was that what we found was is that you know the switcher which was built for um for indonesia is, is a completely different switcher to uh sorry when i say switcher i mean like a, a different infrastructure which allows for people to move funds from point a to point b using a qr code in the philippines it's actually riding the instapay uh, structure which i'm sure people in the philippines are familiar with to move between bank accounts and so what that means from our perspective is that we have to completely change our mindset when we're actually building to these two different rails right and so that maybe gives you an example of a, of like just even just one sort of payment method one example another example is ekyc uh for example if you're signing up for a bank account because of the in the philippines uh, the BSP has made it very uh, much easier for you to set up a bank account faster and online. And they've been very relaxed and, well, I wouldn't say relaxed, but more open to being able to um, set up bank accounts, uh, especially digitally, waiving wet signatures and things like that. In Indonesia, that hasn't happened, not as aggressively. right? And so what we're finding in the Philippines is that that world of digital, you know, the ability to set up bank accounts digitally without having to provide signatures and things like that is actually moving really fast and it's it's that's wow. unbelievable and so compared compared to the indonesia where there's a lot of regulatory red tape that you have to jump through and in order to get there it's, it's fascinating the sort of differences in how uh, the, uh, the two markets operate very interesting now so having said that uh, obviously that you know philippines is a market that you really looked at and uh, and find something that that's worth moving into i guess just from the sheer population i mean of course indonesia three times the population of the philippines but obviously the philippines is is a is a great market for you guys to be in and i want to i was i want to pick your brains why you chose to expand over here i guess after indonesia but more than that uh, give me an idea right now of who are your current set of clients here in the philippines and, and what type of products have you have you engage them with here in the country yeah um great question so the majority of our um our clients in the philippines are our fintech companies they range from digital banks to lenders to wallets and really sort of the the use cases that we supply for there are in relation to you know for example being a doing being able to do a top-up to uh to an e-wallet uh, i think our, our uh, one of our products is currently live with uh, Como, East West Bank today, so that you can do a top up into Como for high savings purposes, uh, similarly for Tonic as well. But there's other use cases. So for example, uh, for lenders, they use our products for collection purposes, right? And they want to be able to do the collections process inside their application so that the user doesn't have to deviate away from, uh, you know, to another banking app or anything like that. They have a seamless process, uh, which makes it the experience far more, well, there's a perception of safety and a perception of uh, comfort when you are able to do everything within one application, right? So we, those are usually the use cases we uh, provide for. We do provide for also uh, e-commerce companies. 
Um, so of course, when people are making purchases or uh, for goods online, um, they use our, our sort of payment rails there. And then there's also sort of credit scoring companies as well. Uh, which mm -hmm. are using sort of bank data in order to improve credit scores so that, you know, people have more fair and accurate um, access to loans. Uh, I mean, I'm just very interested because uh, as you guys come in, you say that you're working with other fintech companies. So that means that these are digital banks that are coming out and, and other and other services that, that relate to helping top up the wallets, right? Because you, again, you serve, you, you're sort of like the back office to everybody else. You provide the roads for them to connect, right? Yes. Just a question. I'm, I'm just wondering because... You know, when you come into a country like the Philippines, you know, many of the banks, I guess when they work together, they want a silo. I mean, because they obviously they, they want feeling, you know, if I allow this one, it might take away services from me, right? I mean, that, that might be the feeling of some people because if I, if I open up too much, I might lose a lot by, by prescribing all these services. Why not make it proprietary to me or they can only use my services? I'll, I'll just build everything in-house because I don't want to share. Is this something that you also encounter? And how do you address uh, problems like that? I, I, that's what I'm guessing, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And we do absolutely come across those problems. And uh, and the way that we we address them is that we work with uh, we work with banks very closely um, to you know enter sort of you know sort of agreements and you know through revshare and whatnot so that it's mutually beneficial. And banks, for example, will get a bit of a uh, slice of the pie. And okay. but we also want to make sure that we want to keep it fair as well. The other side is that you know we work with the BSP on many initiatives actually just to ensure that um, there is a push towards the democratization because ultimately what we're trying to bring to the population is the ability to get access to cheaper financial services, uh, cheaper funds transfer mechanisms, and ultimately just uh, a fairer economy, right? And um, that's something that we uh, you know, underlying to everything we, we, we passionately believe in. And, you know, these are sort of the ways that we, we work with that. Um, yeah. I, I, like, I like that. And, and we'll stop there just a bit because I think there's something that, that, that came to my mind. Things become cheaper, especially in terms of financial services. When you have something like, when you're using something like Brancas, help us understand, I guess right now, so people understand how do things become cheaper when Brancas is in the background helping open banking services? Right, that's an absolutely great question. If I had my way, I would love for people to be able to you know, digitally move funds for free, right? And, you know, if I, RJ, if we went out for dinner and then you paid for it and I wanted to pay half to you and I wanted to pay you in cash, nobody's charging me for that. And I want to, you know, I'm giving you that cash and there is no transaction cost that occurs when I'm passing you the money cash in hand, right? Well, ultimately, from a digital perspective, we would love to see something, uh, something, close to that. <laughs> something, some, some, something close to that. Hopefully, ultimately, we will get to that place. Right now, how do we do that? Well, we do that. Um, there's a more traditional sort of uh, payments model, which uh, you know what we refer to as the payment gateway model, whereby funds are moved from a bank account into an account owned by a third party, um, a payment gateway. The more famous ones around the world are companies like Stripe, uh, PayPal, many many others. You know, the, the funds are then um, distributed to the target organization. Right, so the funds jump to go into a destination account. What we do is we don't we don't actually hold funds at any point in time. Right, when we initiate a payment from a bank, it moves directly to the other bank, and there's nothing in between. Right, and uh, and and so there's no and, there's no float there's no float over there. There's no float. There's no float. The whole point here is that it's it's a payment initiation, and the funds are going to the location that it's supposed to. Right. And hence why we're able to keep costs so low. And hopefully we can make it free at some point in the future. Excellent. And then it was also mentioned that Brancas can help with banking more of the unbanked. For me, uh, how I understand it, looking at how the infrastructure is going on here in the Philippines, is, for example, how are we getting more people banked right now? Is something as simple as Gcash, which for me is very disruptive because now more people can, they can turn their Gcash from a from their e-wallet into a into a bank and all of a sudden you can start generating credit information you can do ekyc over there how does brancas also work in that sort of ecosystem right now to help to bring more people who are unbanked to becoming banked 
Right. So uh, as I was mentioning uh, earlier on, so what we do is we provide the rails for account opening for, for example, multiple banks to have access beyond just Gcash, right? In, uh, in multiple applications. Imagine that, you know, you are working with, um, you know, another e-wallet provider over there and you wanted to go and set up a, a bank account on that e-wallet. Well, you'd have a, a gamut of options. Um, to um, to go through and say, I want to set up a union bank account. I want to set up a uh, a BPI account um, and uh, you know a metro bank account directly within one application. Again, no longer having to go to a branch. I just have to download the app and follow the steps of EKYC on the bank of choice that I want to get access to, right? And so you know, again, it comes back down to that, like not having to travel <laughs> the three hours to to the bank branch to do that. Now. I think companies like Gcash are, you know, awesome. Like, I mean, they've gone off and they've tried to, you know, sort of approach it from the perspective of an e-wallet. In Indonesia, there are four main e-wallets. We've got uh, Ofo, GoPay, uh, Linkaja, and Dana. Um, there's a bunch of others, but those are the main ones. And they're vying for, you know, for, for a very similar sort of territory, right? But really, the way that I see it is that that's just a stopgap for what is ultimately people trying to do. They're trying to set up a bank account online. They're trying to deposit funds into it, and they're trying to do things with it, right? And that's the gap that uh, I see as being the opportunity. Exactly. And having said that, let's move a bit forward here right now. And, you know, many of the people are listening to the podcast always get a better appreciation of, you know, how did the founders, I guess, of a company come across this problem and how did they choose to solve it? Because, you know, many of them come here are saying, you know, did he come from a corporate background? Did he come from a non-corporate background? How did he come across, how did he stumble across this problem and, and want to address it? I know that you weren't there at the founding, but you spent many hours with Todd Schweitzer, who I understand is, is the founder of, of Brancas. How did Todd come about this pain point or this irritation? Because it seems to be something that, that 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 lies a lot here in Asia. He worked many years in Asia, I guess, to, to discover this problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe Todd's now been in the Philippines for seven odd eight years now, and uh, yeah, 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 I think that's part of how he sort of. Uh, stumbled on the problem is probably when he was going out and wanting to do, you know, basic financial services. He was probably comparing it to uh, perhaps his his own, you know, his home country, the United States, uh, where things are a little bit easier over there. They're not perfect, but they are easier. And so, being able to like understand how to bring some of this capability to Southeast Asia, that's the idea. However, as we all know, this part of the world for each of the countries are already very different. Uh, let alone compared to Southeast Asia to other parts of the planet, right? And, you know, really when you get stuck into um, trying to understand the problem statement and, you know, you start to realize that, hey, it's not just as simple as like, okay, how do you digitally open up a bank account? Um, mm -hmm. It's it's much more fundamental than that, right? Uh, and so there was a discovery, I think, um, where, okay, uh, initially banks weren't, they didn't even have the rails to be able to to be able to provide these sorts of things. You mentioned before they were very closed. Well, closed is what's happening in Southeast Asia, right? Mm -hmm. And so, what the initial business model really was about was okay. Uh, nobody has access to this infrastructure, this open infrastructure. Why don't we build it? Right. And so that's what the initial stages were, you know, sort of working with banks to open up their core infrastructures so that other companies could plug into them. So other companies could get access to payments, they get access to uh, data, like statement, bank statement, bank identity data. They could get access to, you know, other financial services such as loan, originating loans, account opening, and so on and so forth. Right. And um, that's where initially Brancas was, right? And so there were lots of sort of projects that were happening uh, at the time. However, that's also not scalable, <laughs> right? Because ultimately you get to a place where you're going, well, I'm building a massive project for this massive bank, which requires a huge amount of resources and it's bespoke for that bank because it usually is. And so what we decided was just like, well, now we're getting access to all these connections. Let's aggregate you know, the connections and offer these in a simple format to the customers on the other side. And so hence was born the, the products which serve up the fintech companies, the e-commerce companies and whatnot, right? And so really what the, the you know, the round of funding that we've received is actually to, to grow that, to grow that because the connections, we, you know, we've already worked really hard on that side and that's, it's taken a long time. And to be honest with you, 
we're still doing that today. But now we're able to like start, start you know, we've been cooking in the kitchen. We're starting to now mm-hmm. dish out the, the, the dishes, right? And this is what we're, we're able to start doing now. Very interesting. So the current business model of Brancas was not the initial business model that, that Brancas had come, it, come up with in the start because it was very, I guess you were working with one big bank and making a bespoke model for them and it didn't seem to be something that could be sustainable or scalable in, in the longer term. Is that right? Yeah, because, uh, you know, effectively what you would look at is a sort of a linear trajectory in terms of, um, in terms of growth, right? Onboarding a bank it doesn't just take months, RJ. It takes years, <laughs> and, years it's, yes, exactly. and, and and you know even just getting the first bank over the line in order to do these sorts of things was a lot of effort. And to this day, even after all this experience, it's still a lot of effort. I'd say it's a little bit easier now because there's more openness to the concept. But there's a you know it's a it's a long sales cycle. It's a long requirement cycle. And for a time, you're going where's the money, right? And um and so. Now you amplify that by say five banks, and before you know it, you're 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 scrambling for resources. You're trying to make sure you're implementing with with the limited resources that you have, and ultimately, yes, yeah. it's it's a very difficult thing to scale on. And so, yeah, what we we created on the other side is a software as a service uh, through our integrations, um, so that customers can just sign up. Start testing, and away they go, right? And that's the pivot. Uh, when when you guys began, it was out of. I, I'm just I'm just trying to piece together the, the timeline. You said Todd lived in the Philippines for about seven to eight years, and this is where he discovered the problem. But uh, if I understand correctly, you know, it's called Brancas because it did begin in Indonesia. So so he said it was something that was a problem in the Philippines. It looks like you have the same problem in Indonesia. I'll start with Indonesia because it's a bigger population. How? How did you end up going to Indonesia to start off Brancas? Yeah, I mean, that's partly to do with our CTO, Ken Shaw, um, who's, who's based in Jakarta. And he was he was the first there. So what really, um, how it transpired was is that they started to, you know, try to serve the, or addressing the, you know, the problems in terms of financial access uh, out of Indonesia. But the reality is, is that, you know, Todd was backing, going back and forth um, and realized, of course, that they are similar, not the same gaps in the Philippines. And so, you know, very quickly expanded into the Philippines to address um, infrastructure problems with banks over there as well. All right, I get that. When, when did you come into the picture, Mike? I'm just very curious. Were you there when you when they had to make the pivot towards moving more towards software as a service for, for Brancas? Or were you there at the point where they still... We're in with the old model. Uh, I, so <laughs> that's a great question, RJ. So I, I, I joined uh, almost exactly two years ago, um, just over two years ago now, uh, right before the pandemic. And I was brought in um, to effectively productize whatever technology existed with Brancas at the time. And so I, you know, you, you know, you could ask the founders that, you know, I'm partly to blame for the, uh, for, for the, for the pivot. Um, but really, when we started to go down that sort of software as a service route, that was basically the initiatives which I was pushing into the organization. Um, because when I joined, uh, not really a product team at the time, I think we had one product manager. He was doing many, many, many different things that were not product at the same time. And, you know, there was no, nothing really which was being defined uh, in terms of <laughs> actual product development. So that was those are some of the things that we needed to put in place and then identify the problems that we were trying to solve so we could make ourselves uh, a lot more scalable, right? And so that's what we've been uh, hard at work on at actually over the during the pandemic. And and having said that, I'm going to look back at the pandemic, the timing of the pandemic. So there were new products that you had to productize, right? So that means that right at the point where they said, okay, we're going to switch over from the old model to our SaaS model, our software as a service model. We got to productize it so we can market it outside. Pandemic hits. How does the pandemic now affect Brancas? Was it actually a boon or a bane? Uh, to Brancas and more people accept Brancas as a result of this pandemic and, and its products. And sec- corollarily to that, did you also have to, I guess, also modify or tweak the products you were creating as a result of this pandemic? That's, uh, again, a great, great question. I'll, I'll tell you the initial reaction, which was we were terrified. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's a common reaction here on the show as well for the others who have to pivot. Right. To I mean, <laughs> I, exactly. I mean, crystal balls aside, there's just no way that, 
you know, we were thinking, oh, wow, like, what are we going to have to do during this time? Are things going to like sort of, uh, you know, capitulate effectively? And, you know, we were already sort of thinking about like, do we have to lay off staff? Do we have to do, you know, many different things to make sure that the business stays alive for longer? However, we stayed strong, right? And so what we, you know, over the next uh, few months, what we realized was that if anything, the pandemic pushed for the democratization of financial services because no longer could people go to the branches. No longer could people go and pay cash cash in hand to another person. No longer could they go to a 7-Eleven to top up to a e-wallet or to an Indomaret to do the same thing. They needed to do it online. So it was. it turned out to be a boom. And it turned out to be something which actually was heavily beneficial to our organization because the problems of you know, uh, that we were trying to address just got amplified because of the pandemic, not being able to get around. Everything had to go online. And uh, yeah, we, we um, you know, it's, it's bizarre how these sorts of things happen, but it really just helped sort of hammer home the point that finance needs to be much more digitally accessible. So it really just accelerated uh, the use of the Brancas product, I guess. Right. And what we, so I'll give you a, so we launched a product uh, during the pandemic actually was targeted at the Philippines because what we noticed was that, you know, a lot, obviously we were lucky, but many, many, many people were not. And so they were trying to build businesses uh, like sort of off the side, they'll do some cooking or baking at home and they'll put up a Facebook page. What we realized very quickly was, wow, this is an opportunity for us. And that actually gave birth to the product that we now call uh, Pay today. Um, so Brancas Pay is the product. And so this, this pay product allowed for you know, micro merchants to go and um, collect payments via bank transfer without having to you know, receive. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market cash in hand. They didn't have to share their bank credentials. They didn't have to uh, send a screenshot to validate mm-hmm. the payments being made, right? It was all very seamless. You log to commit the funds transfer. And then on the merchant side, it says the money has been moved. And um, and so that was we saw that as an initiative to actually help the, the people in the Philippines to make a, um, uh, to, to allow for them to move money around better. Did, did any of the products have to be modified a bit? I mean, as a result of the pandemic, I know that, I mean, the basic product was there, but were the, like you said, you, you learned some, this, this new product for the Philippines, Brancas Pay, was a result of understanding the technology works. We just have to use it for this particular product. But were there right. any other changes that you had to make? Uh, as a result uh, or modifying modification of the current financial products that you had? We had to add more banks. Um, <laughs> that's one thing uh, because more and more people wanted access. The Yes, I would say that we, um, because more and more people were starting to utilize sort of the, the systems that we had very quickly, in fact, we had to start making a lot of iterations on, you know, making the experience more seamless more comfortable, a lot of front end sort of uh, impacts, which we, we had to, um, we had to implement during, uh, during the, uh, during the pandemic. Um, um, the, but the, the other, the other, the other such things, other such things that we, um, you know, had to do was allow for, you know, more data access, um, because more lenders were looking to push out loans. I mean, there, there were certain, there were, there were a few iterations that we had to do with products, but to be completely honest with you, RJ, a lot of those iterations that we did, we're kind of in line with what we had to do anyway. It just the pandemic just accelerated it. <laughs> I see. And uh, having said that, uh, when you look at the Philippines, uh, what exactly have been the so people get a better idea? What have been the financial products that you've produced uh, that work very well here in the Philippines that have solved pain points that we that we don't get to see you know, the pain points that we don't get to see obviously from our 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 perspective, but that you get to see from your perspective. Yeah, great question. Um, so apart from us working with banks on you know, uh, bespoke infrastructure, uh, which of which we do quite a lot of that in the Philippines today. What we find is that mo- uh, the hottest product right now is the ability to do the funds transfer, uh, as we call it, the account to account 
bank transfer uh, within a third party application without having to ever leave that flow, right? And the reason for that is because it allows the tie for that experience um, directly into, for example, your tonic, uh, your tonic bank account. You can top up mm-hmm. you know, your funds into there. You don't have to ever leave the um, the tonic app, and it's a seamless flow for you to do a a top up into the account, which makes it just very very easy uh, for uh, for Filipinos who are using tonic. And of course, what that means is that tonic is happy because, well, user experience wise. It, may, it, may, it makes it much more more seamless. Um, so I would say that that is the uh, definitely the product which is just taken off the digitize the digitization uh, and democratization of you know uh, uh, bank transfers. But we've also got like use cases around you know the sharing of of bank statement data. So that if you wanted to apply for a loan, then you can go in and uh, register, um, you know, register for that loan. But then you want to share your bank data uh, before you had to send, for example, a PDF, or maybe you would even have to go to the uh, the lending company directly, and you would have mm. to provide physical documents. We yes, yes. we we completely remove all of that. So the organization which is providing the loan just receives the data straight. It cuts out literal hours out of the day for for the individual who's requesting uh, or requiring for that loan. Wow. Looking forward uh, and, and seeing the potential of the Philippines, what are the other products you think that you guys will be uh, creating to, to, to leverage opportunities that, that are here? I mean, there's still a large number of unbanked. There's still a lot of banks. I mean, you're working with a lot of the unibanks, but how about the, the rural banks? How about the other banks that are not so digitally savvy? What, what do you guys look into us in five to six years uh, to do here in the Philippines? I wish I had a crystal ball, RJ, um, because problems are always moving all the time. And it's it's always it always feels like a something you're trying to hit. But uh, I would say that, you know, if I was to look at, for example, payments, we're looking at concepts in, uh, you know, more e-wallet transactions to be able to aggregate those sorts of things. We're looking at uh, cryptocurrencies as a potential option as well. Um, obviously, we want to do it the right way. So we've been talking to um, many organizations and the regulatory bodies to ensure that, that that happens. We're looking uh, on, on the data front, we're looking at uh, much more insightful models so that uh, organization can make much better decisions around lending. So for example, to be able to say um, an individual's income is X amount, if they give consent to share it, we can tell the organization um, this person is uh, earning an income over this period of time. The data itself, we don't see, right? So the data gets passed over to the merchant. We just build the models to help the merchants do these sorts of things. Really on the other side is around that account creation, being able to grow that. I would really love for us to get to sort of loan origination um, and being able to offer different loan options uh, through Blancas's Rails onto other platforms so that you know you don't have to go off and connect to these different organizations. You can apply for any loan on any uh, application, any e-wallet, uh, pretty much anywhere, right? And so that's, um, you know, again, many years down the track. Finally, the other thing that we are looking at um, sort of uh, building towards is a uh, building uh, what is effectively a core banking uh, application, um, which would help the rural banks, which is really what we, uh, where we ultimately want to get to, is to be able to provide like a fundamental infrastructure for a, a fraction of the cost of what it actually takes to do, right? Because we've already built a lot of the original infrastructure. We're able to offer something like this for um, exceedingly uh, an exceedingly good rate. Um, and so that's where we see ourselves sort of helping rural banks, not, not just the Philippines, actually, but we would hope in the next few years across you know, the rest of Southeast Asia and hopefully beyond. Well, hopefully your crystal ball, your own crystal ball isn't too far from the truth as well, uh, uh, Mike. And having said that, you know, in the Philippines, like I said, there are a lot of entrepreneurs listening over here and saying, wow, there's a lot happening right now in terms of our banking, digital banking ecosystem, things that they don't see happening around. Where do you think entrepreneurs and startup players and other fintech companies which are emerging, where can they still play in that field where they can support the sort of things that Brancas is developing in, in, in our in our digital banking infrastructure. So how can other, uh, so let me get this question right, RJ. So you're saying, how can other entrepreneurs- Yeah, uh, are there opportunities to grow also? Where where you're growing, uh, can they support that growth? uh, Oh, right. Or other 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 places where they can play in that, you know, you you grow and they grow at the same time? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So 
the whole premise of what we're building for our, you know, so we offer these different sort of connections with the bank, right? But we don't often design the use cases. Uh, we don't go off and design the um, the user experiences per se uh, within applications, right? So, for example, you know, in Indonesia right now, we've got a lot of perform uh, uh, personal finance management applications uh, where you can manage your funds inside an app using the products that we we provide, right? And what I would expect, I think, in Philippines is already starting to happen, is that people are starting to construct entirely new use cases on the rails that we provide. I think. That is where we will, no, no, it's not so much the success financially for us, but where we see the success of our products is that we start to see new use cases, new concepts that people create based on the, the infrastructure that we've created. Uh, I think, you know, come to us if you want to brainstorm and talk about different potential opportunities. And I'd love to hear like new ideas. I'm sure there's so many use cases out there uh, that we haven't even thought of before as well. Um, it's, it's more about can the creativity. Can we just flash the screen? Yeah. The let's just, uh, while, while you say that, let's just flash the screen how they can get in touch with Brancas. Uh, Clark, if you can show up the screen right now, it's www.brancas.com. If you've got some ideas of how you can work with Brancas, uh, they'd be open to it. Again, uh, Mike, just what kind of ideas are you looking for? What kind of uh, partners or supplies are you looking for to be part of your Brancas uh, ecosystem over here? Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking um, to partner with banks, obviously. So if any anybody is from a bank on the call, uh, more than happy to chat about sort of what we provide there. But we, we're also looking to partner with uh, 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 fintech companies. If you've got a new budding idea, a seed stage, seed stage startup um, looking to um, to break into a new market, we're happy to talk about sort of the use cases and our experiences uh, that we've gone through ourselves. Again, we're not we're not here to compete with the e-wallets, the PFMs, the the lenders, and all these organizations. All we're trying to do is supply to these organizations. So if you've got an idea that you want to sort of validate, uh, or you might have something just getting up and running, come speak to us, and more than happy to sit down and have a chinwag. Also, lastly, no, um, as we start to close off this conversation, uh, we talked earlier on. I mean, before joining, um, before joining Brancas, you also had your fair share of different experiences from other companies uh, of growing and building companies, both which have been very entrepreneurial by their nature. Uh, having said all that one, uh, we're talking to business owners and entrepreneurs here right now. If you're to give them three, I guess, life lessons from all your, all, all everything you've gained from building organizations, building businesses and keeping them resilient, what would those lessons be? Uh, to those entrepreneurs listening to us here right now. Right. Okay. So number one is make sure that you have a really clear vision of what you're trying to do uh, and a metric that you can tie to it, which which is not revenue related. Uh, a metric which defines the success of your of the problem that you're trying to solve for. Number two is your customers have empathy for them. It is it's so important to put yourself in their shoes and understand their problems. And understand the things that you're you're trying to um, uh, to build. Uh, don't build what they want. Build what they need. Right. And then number three is uh, the blocker is uh, blockers within your business, especially internal ones, will be the death of your business if you don't remove them. So your biases should always be towards remove every single blocker that comes into your path uh, as quickly as you can. Uh, if you're able to do those three, I think you'll be okay. Well, thanks again so much. Really great insight. I've learned so much from this conversation and I hope that the people listening to the conversation and to our podcast have gained so much. Uh, good luck to the growth of Brancas here in the in the Philippines and in the rest thanks, of Southeast Asia. So again, thanks again for your time. Uh, Mike, uh, we really appreciate you joining us over here and hopefully um, we get to see the growth really of financial services here in the Philippines for the unbanked and the underserved again thank you so much mike dickinson for coming us for joining us from brancas again this has been the rj ladesa podcast we will see you next tuesday for the next podcast thanks so much guys have a great evening thank you thank you Views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.